After 12 days of Christmas, when the Magi finally arrived, well, some people call that Sunday Epiphany Sunday, the Sunday in which we read the scripture of the story of the Magi bringing gifts and traveling to see the newborn king. I like to call this Sunday, though, the first Sunday of the year, Geek Out Sunday. Because my tradition, my tradition is that the beginning of the year, we start a gospel and we stick with that gospel. Last year, we read from the gospel of John, and the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and, and was there at the creation. And we read that at the start of the year, and when Easter hit, we had reached the part where Jesus was laid in a tomb, and then he was not there. And we read about Mary in the garden, and, and, and t- speaking with Jesus, and, and we, we dwelt, we dwelt with the one who dwelt with us. This year, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, and, and the strategy is a little bit different this year. This year, we'll, we'll read through Matthew, but we're going to stop even longer rather than trying to time this so we, we end up with, with resurrection at that part of Matthew. We're going to stop with the first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to stay there. Stay there a while and really, really take it in and dwell in this, this teaching of Jesus. And, and today, though, today we're going to get really geeky. And we're going to really get geeky and talk about what makes Matthew such a special gospel. Because, because there will be things in the understanding who Matthew was and what Matthew's church was like. Those things will help us in, in really embracing some of the, the teachings and the stories and, and that life of Jesus. One of the things that we suspect about Matthew and his church family was that Matthew was Jewish. It looks like he had a gospel of of Mark in front of him, much like it looks like Luke did as well. Only when, when Luke and Matthew add scripture to what they were, were reading in Mark and, and add scripture to that, Luke is 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 drawing from the Septuagint, the, 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 Greek, the Greek version of the Old Testament. I told you we're going to get geeky. And, and Matthew, though, Matthew looks like he is reading from another, another translation. Just the language is just a little bit different here and there. And it looks like he is reading from the, the Hebrew the Hebrew translation that that the Hebrew church, the Hebrew synagogues were using at that time. So a little bit difference, difference in in how they add, how they add to scripture. Now they don't just add verses from the Old Testament to what Mark had recorded. Both of them add stories. Only they're different stories. Last year, I, I, I talked to you about adding stories and the times when we add stories. Uh, think about a, a funeral, and you're sitting in the fellowship hall, and, and, and you're, you're, you're talking about the person who's passed away, and, and you're telling stories, and you say, remember, remember that time when she saw me, and the first thing she said was, I'm a hugger. 
they didn't include that in the sermon. Remember, remember that, that time when she burnt the, the cookies and, 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 and how we laughed about it and how every time, every time we had cookies about that, we joked about how she burnt the cookies. And, and remember, and you've been in situations like that, haven't you? Where you're sitting around a table talking about somebody that you love and you're saying, don't forget the story. Don't forget that story too. Don't forget that story too. I think that's a little bit of what's going on with these four Gospels. Mark writes an account, and, and Matthew says, don't forget these stories. We need them too. And Luke says, don't forget these other ones. And John, he's over off in left field, and, and he's, he's got a whole bunch of other stories that, that nobody else has. And, 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 but all of them, they want to remember, remember more. I also think, though, that some of the stories they include, they do this on purpose. When our children were young, we told them stories, stories about Ed and I growing up and stories about their grandparents and, and stories about their relatives and stories, stories, uh, lots of stories. But we would include some stories from Matt on purpose. Matt had this hole in his pocket that would just drop right into his hand and if you put a, a coin in his pocket or a dollar bill in his pocket it'd just drop right into his hand and he's there spending it the child could not save money to save his life but we would tell him stories your grandmother vera you remember your grandmother, Vera, how, how they just saved everything and tried to save money and, and had a wonderful retirement because they had saved money. And do you remember your grandmother, Vera? Do you remember when we visited her, she had these, these poles that, that Grandfather Erford had, had made, these dowel rods in her kitchen so that she could, she could hang saran wrap on it to dry, wash her saran wrap and dry it. After I told that story last year when we were talking about gospel, somebody told me that, that they had a grandmother who washed the paper towels and dried those to use those again, and another, another grandmother who washed the ice so that she could use it again, washed the ice cubes to use it again. That, that's some serious stuff. <laughs> Our younger son, Mark, Frugality was not a problem with him. But our younger son, Mark, was just reluctant to meet people. And so we would tell stories to him about, about his grandfather, Wayne. And you were named after your grandfather, Wayne, we would tell Mark. You're Mark Wayne. And, and, and your grandfather, Wayne, he could talk to anybody. And oh my goodness, he met so many interesting and wonderful people because that's what happens if you'll just put yourself out a little bit and... and and, and just talk to people. And we would point to the clock on the wall in our living room and say, your grandfather Wayne wanted you to have that clock when you grow up. I don't know why they want the, don't want the stuff now that they're grown up. That's another issue. But, 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 but your grandfather Wayne has this clock. And the reason he got this clock was he was standing pumping gas at the filling station. 
And he noticed somebody else had, had this wonderful clock in the front seat of, of their truck. And there he is with his truck with a, with a lawnmower in the back. And the next thing you know, they are trading. He traded that lawnmower for that clock that's hanging on the wall. And you just never know what's going to happen if you'll just say hello. You just never know what good could come from that. Sometimes... Sometimes we would be, be specific about the stories we would tell because we wanted something to teach to them, something in particular they needed. I think that's part of the reason why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have stories in each one that no one else has. They're stories that their church family needs to hear something that they need in particular for their church family. Matthew, Matthew, as I said, we think that Matthew was Jewish, and part of the reason is the scripture he chooses, but also the way that he starts his, his scripture. He starts with the genealogy, the genesis, and, and I think he's very intentional about starting it with genealogy, genesis, we're getting geeky now, that's the same root word in, in the Hebrew, and, and, and he's thinking that when, when his Jewish church family, who knows that the Bible starts with genesis, which means in the beginning, when they hear this, they're going to hear this is the beginning, and, and Matthew starts not by talking about seven days of creation, let there be light in seven days. But Matthew starts with the genealogy, the Genesis, begins with Abraham. And instead of seven, Matthew says, and there were 14 generations between Matthew and David, and 14 generations from David and the exile into Babylon, and another 14 generations between that exile of Babylon and the coming of the Christ. Messiah. Matthew's Jewish church family is probably hearing, hearing that Jesus is not the Christ. And they're, they need this story of generations, of God's purposefulness in generation after generation of, John, of, of God working through Abraham and David and through God's people and that there would be a Christ from this line and, and it's, it works out with the, the, the 14, 14, and 14 so that they would know this really is the Christ this really is Jesus. They're probably hearing from, from other Jews that, well, Deuteronomy says that if someone is hung on a stake, they're cursed, and, and, and so Jesus can't be the Messiah because he was hung. And they need to be able to say, no, no, I know, I know Jesus was the Christ. In Matthew's, in Matthew's gospel, he takes the, the teachings that are found in, 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 in Mark and Luke and, and he takes these and he adds some to them and he organizes them. And he tells the story in such a way that it has 
five parts. He puts the action together and then the teachings together and then actions together and then teachings. He's creating five books, each one with action and teaching. Jesus acting, he goes, he travels, he, he, he heals, he, he, he has conflicts, he has, and, and he goes, and, and each of those actions is paired with a, a large teaching. So rather than having Jesus talking in the middle of, of the, the, the times when he's healing, and, and it, Matthew just organizes it so that it's actions and teaching together. To a Jewish congregation, seeing this type of organization would be like saying, Jesus is the Pentateuch, the five books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Jesus' actions and his teaching this is the law, the law fulfilled, the law as it was meant to be. For Matthew's Jewish church family, they want to observe the law. They want to know how to live in the way that God intends, the way that is life-giving. And with structure, they see that in Jesus there is the law as it was meant to be fulfilled. That word fulfilled. When I go shopping and I see a pair of pants on the hanger, I think to myself, that, that's a nice pair of pants. I'm going to try that one. And then I put them on and the pants are filled. Too much and put them back on the hanger. And it turns out that when I filled those pants, they weren't like they looked on the hanger. They weren't what I expected. I think that's a little bit what's going on when we talk about fulfilling the law. The law on paper. The law on words. The law that it was given on Mount Sinai gives a way of living that is life-giving but Jesus puts it on and lives it. And we see not how it's hanging on a hanger, how it is when it's just written on a page, but what it means, what it means to truly live, live God's way, live according to God's love. When Matthew tells the Christmas story, instead of talking about Mary and an angel, he talks about Joseph and an angel. And Joseph is a righteous man, Matthew says. A righteous man. He wants to observe Torah, right way of living. He wants right relationships. That's what righteousness is. And when he hears that Mary is pregnant, what does a righteous man do? His fiance. He decides not to embarrass her, not to disgrace her. 
but to live in a way, to take actions in a way that allow her to continue living, although separated, no longer engaged. He could have been so cruel, hurt in this way, shamed in this way, and instead he decides to act quietly, a right way of living the law, a righteous way, a right way of relationships, of caring for the other person rather than, than shaming others, even, even when they've hurt you. Jesus will teach us more about righteousness. Righteousness is important to Matthew's Jewish church family. But righteousness may not look exactly in the ways that they have been told. Jesus will say to the, the crowds, you have heard it said, do not murder, but I say, don't harbor anger in your heart. There's a better way than just not murdering. A more life-giving way to deal with the anger rather than living with anger in your heart. The law fulfilled looks a little fuller than the law on paper. The law on paper. Jesus is going to show, show with his actions and his teaching what the law, what the law looks like when it's lived. Matthew doesn't include any stories about traveling to Bethlehem. There's no governor Quirinius who enacts, enacts a, a census. There's no stories about shepherds seeing angels. Except when wise men arrive, King Herod asks, what does it say in Scripture? When wise men arrive and ask to see a new king, Herod has the scribes look at Scripture, and there they see, from you, Bethlehem, will go out a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. A ruler who will shepherd. In Matthew's genealogy, King David is a pivotal, pivotal point in the genealogy. A shepherd who became a king. But we see in Matthew a king who acts like a shepherd, who leads beside still waters, who offers green pastures, who is near us, stays near us when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Matthew sees kings as different, different from the kings that the people experience. The king in the story of Magi coming is King Herod. And when the Magi arrive in Jerusalem, he is troubled. 
and everyone is troubled. It is that way, isn't it? When one person is afraid, it can be contagious. And when Herod is afraid, you better believe all, all of Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem acts. But after, after Herod, after Herod finds out about the prophecy of Bethlehem, he tells the Magi and says, go Go and report to me so that I too, I too may go and honor him. And that's why the game people play for this week is risk. The game of world domination. Herod can only think about how to survive how to get past, how to find a way in the midst of a new king. I mean, think about it. Just think about it. Imagine someone came and, and said, and said to, to uh, President Trump or President Obama, hey, hey, there's a new king around. Where is he? You think they'd be happy? You think they'd be happy? No, no. But the Magi asked the question, and all Herod can think about is preserving himself. If rumors go out about a new king in the land, well, he may just, just lose, lose his authority. There may be uprising trying to, to put this baby king, this child king, on the throne instead of him. And, and, and so he told, tells the, the Magi, Go and see, and come back and tell me about it. Risk. World domination. We used to gather in the basement. It would take all day to play a game of risk. And you're moving these, these, these armies around, one army, two armies, from, from country to country on the game board. And the winner is the person who is the last person remaining. And that's what Herod wants, to be the last person remaining. And he will do whatever it takes, even if that means the slaughter of innocence. You and I don't play risk in the workplace or in the home or in the neighborhood. But... We do play a similar game of attack before someone attacks, as you do in risk. Uh, I heard it growing up as do unto others before they do unto you. To live out of fear, Herod lives out of fear, and it is because of his fear that he does what he thinks is wise, what he thinks is right, if the goal is you are the last one standing. Jesus will teach another way. Jesus will teach a way of forgiveness. He will teach a way of hope and compassion. 
He will teach a way of giving to those in need, not in order to negotiate a treaty, not in order to give, get something back, but because that's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And in verse 13, we read, When the Magi had departed, an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod will soon search for the child in order to kill him. Joseph got up and during the night took the child and his mother to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod died. This fulfilled what the Lord has spoken through the prophet. I've called my son out of Egypt. There was a time when Moses and the people were called out of slavery in Egypt. Called into a new life, a promised life. Called knowing that God would be with them. Called with Moses going up a mountain. A mountain to say this is the law. And although they were not able to live the law. God was with them. Through it all. Do it. Do unto others before they do unto you. It's not the way of God. And while Israel could not live according to that law, Jesus speaks that the kingdom of God is near. And the prophets like Jeremiah speak of a day when God's covenant, faithfulness, compassion, mercy, and his will transform the hearts of God's people so that they can actually and will actually live the way God calls. happen. It can happen when we open our hearts and minds to God. Imagine, imagine truly letting God work within us.